Hello and welcome to the 12 Minutes of Workplace Health podcast. I'm Harry Bliss, CEO and co-founder of Champion Health, and today we're joined by Griselda Tagobo, CEO of Forward Ladies, with an academic background at the University of Cambridge. Griselda is a thought leader, entrepreneur and CEO in the space of diversity and inclusion and leadership development. We're going to be discussing all things workplace health, but how it ties in to diversity and inclusion within our organisations. Welcome, Griselda. Hello, Griselda. How are you? Very well, thank you, Harry. How are you doing? I'm doing really well today. I'm doing really well. I've been looking forward to this conversation for quite some time. I've seen you public speak and you really just, um, you raise so much awareness and turn that awareness into action for me, first of all. So I've been really excited on getting you into onto this podcast um, series today. So we're going to discuss things, all things diversity, inclusion um, within the workplace and how that ties into workplace health as well. But I guess the first question is around why is diversity and inclusion so important from a business angle as well as a social moral angle as well? Yeah. Um Diversity and inclusion is so important and, and it's important because the world is changing and we live in a global village now and our customers are based all over the world. And so we need to attract talent that really reflects the customers that we are trying to um, attract and work with. So ultimately, we should be aiming as, as businesses to be attracting the best people, irrespective of their gender or their race or their nationality. And also McKinsey has done so much research into the importance of diversity and inclusion. And it, you know, there's a lot of research that says that it improves innovation, profitability, revenue growth. You know, there's so many great things associated with getting different people, different minds, different ideas together. And I don't see why anyone wouldn't want to do that. I completely agree with you. And the research, as you say, it's it's just, yeah, it's all there for people to see. Why is there still such a, um, a lack of diversity when it comes to the boardroom and other areas of organisations that we, we look around? Yeah, so it, it's a systemic issue. Um, it, it's historic. You know, it's our collective histories. And for me, it's it's a very inconvenient history because it's not it's not something we're happy to sit around a table to discuss but it is the reality that we are living now and it's the reason why we have um, ethnic minorities in the UK that are not represented in certain sectors and that are not represented in leadership roles it's because when they get into those companies after the struggles of getting into those recruitment um, panels and then ultimately being offered a job they are not seeing the same progression as other um, nationalities and other ethnicities do. I myself left my employers for the very same reason that um, I wasn't seeing progression for myself and I didn't feel that I was going to achieve my full potential in that workplace. So that that has had a knock-on effect over, over the years and we are at a point where we have no black um, men or women or ethnic minorities running any large companies in the UK. And I don't think that's something we should be comfortable with. That's not something we should we should just turn a blind eye eye to. Because it just means that some aspect of society are being left behind. And when that happens, we know that ultimately it catches up with us further down the line. I absolutely agree. And you mentioned it's a systemic issue at the moment and the workplace plays a crucial role within there. What are the other systemic issues outside of the workplace as well? Is there anything that the workplace can do 
to support schools, for example, um, in promoting diversity and giving equal opportunity as well? Yes, I think when you look at the um, educational aspirational um, gap and also the destination of um, students from certain ethnic minority background, you realize that, again, the educational system is not serving them as well as it is serving, say, their white counterparts. And I also know that I think there's been new research to show that um, people from um, working class white backgrounds as well are getting left behind. So the data is telling us that every time we try and focus on one group, we tend to leave others behind. So what are we going to do about that? As a society, we need to be bringing people together irrespective of their, their class. You know, Britain is a very uh, elitist class based system and um, we have people who own the land and own great wealth and this has been passed down over the years and we have others like myself and you Harry who are working very hard trying to create a new future for ourselves and you know to have more impact in the world and so we just need to make sure that the aspirations are open to everyone everyone feels they can also work hard and achieve the same thing that you and i are achieving and that the educational system is empowering them to be able to do that and um, what can companies do companies can reach out beyond their usual channels to reach these groups i find that a lot of outreach programs schools the school program still focus on um, children from within certain postcodes. And we know that for you to afford a house within a certain postcode, you're already very privileged. So we need to take it upon ourselves to reach into those communities where, you know, we wouldn't normally reach into um, so that we can have the impact that we need to have further down the line. I find that absolutely fascinating because I come from a very privileged position myself and I really want to promote everything diversity and inclusion, but sometimes I feel like I'm not the right person to be able to spread that message. What would you say to someone like me that's in a privileged position in an organisation that wants to promote the message, but sometimes doesn't quite know what to say potentially as well? Oh, you're absolutely the right person to be promoting this this message. I think when it comes to diversity and inclusion, we sometimes feel um, that it's, you know, it's a gender issue. It's an LGBTQ issue. I, I don't have the right skin to be talking about this. But, but that's not what it's about. For me, it's about humanity and it's about leadership and it's about using our privilege to open the door for others. So you're absolutely the person to be talking about it because the voices to whom this issue matters to, they are not normally heard because they are not in the room, because they don't have the platform, because they don't have the education or the access. So those of us, myself included, as somebody of privilege, who have the access, the platform, and the voice, we should be speaking up for the people who don't have that opportunity to do that. So Harry, you have to you have to talk about race, you have to talk about gender, because for you to be an inspiring leader, you have to bring all of us with you. You cannot be a leader for white men who look like you. You have to be a leader for black women, for Indian children, for everyone. And the work that you're doing is so important that we have to be covering all I couldn't agree more. It just gives me that extra confidence. But I know there's other people as well that think, is it my place to talk about this? And I think it's everyone's place to talk about these issues within our organisations and to be able to spread the, the opportunity 
further going forwards as well. Now, this podcast episode is called uh, the 12 Minutes of Workplace Health um, yes. podcast. And people will be saying, how does diversity and inclusion tie into well-being and workplace health? Could you just shine a light for those people that may be slightly confused as to how it, they, the two of them really integrate in terms of diversity and inclusion and, and well-being? So when I go into a space, and I have to make it quite personal, when I go into a space where I feel I'm not wanted, I end up working extra hard, which takes a lot of energy from me. It also makes me feel psychologically that I'm an imposter, I'm not wanted. So I I tend to lose self-worth and confidence over time. There's also an issue, uh, a phenomenon called microaggression, which is when people make comments towards me, perhaps about my hair, perhaps about my accent, perhaps about other features about me that they don't understand, but the nature of the comment really does get to me over time. And the way that microaggression is described in the academic test is that it's it's as though you were being cut a thousand times every single day. Mm. And that carries its psychological cost. So if I go into a space where I experience that one, two, three times, ultimately I make a decision that actually I don't want to put myself into environments where I'm carrying that heavy burden of not belonging and not being part of it. And also having to go home and just work out all the things that are happening and, and trying to make myself feel worthy and feel confident and, and, and that I belong. It's too much work. Why do I have to work as hard? And and someone like me who feels, you know, I'm quite mentally strong, I'm quite resilient and I can deal with these things. I may be able to cope with it over time. But there are other people who are already struggling with their self-worth and, and having these experiences really tips them over the edge. And and so there's a direct correlation in my experience, personal experience between mental health and creating a sense of belonging for people at work. Because when you come to work, you want to come to work and be your full self. If you're gay, you want people to know that you have a wife or a husband. Um, If if you're Sikh, you want people to respect your religious uh, practices. You know, you just want to be your full self. So when you come to work and you're hiding a percentage of yourself, you're not being 100% effective, but also you're expending so much energy just trying to make sure you're not caught out. And ultimately, it wears you down psychologically. I, I think that I've heard of the drip effect. And so the cuts that you mentioned really resonated with that exact um, same, same example. And thank you for sharing your, your personal um, example as well within there. And when it comes to building diversity and inclusion strategies, you've done it with global organizations and, and some of the world's biggest. What are the key things that have really worked? And what are some of the, the lessons that you've learned that actually haven't worked, such as it being a tick box exercise, for for example? Yeah, I, I am a big believer that leaders can solve a lot of the problems that we have in this world. So it always starts with leadership. Leadership, the leaders of the business have to be front and center. They have to be leading by example. They have to be role modeling what they expect their teams and their businesses to do. And they have to be able to speak out and call out, you know, behavior that is inappropriate that that really just creates toxicity in the environment so it's absolutely for me start with leadership because these are the people we are all aspiring to follow and to be and secondly it comes down to the, the the way we recruit people and i've talked a bit about the outreach that we have in place it also comes into how we reward people so 
when people do get into the business and they're getting recognized and rewarded in the same way that others are getting recognized and rewarded. And, and last but not least, uh, it comes down to the culture that we have within these environment. You know, what is the culture? What are our values? Is every interaction enforcing that value? And is it really conducive to good mental health? Is it conducive to inclusion? Is it conducive to people feeling they belong? So it's very important that we pay attention to these things. But for me, it's always start and end with leader, leadership. And leaders who say that, you know, they have no clue how to solve this problem or they can't find the people. I just feel it's a bit of passing the buck. Yeah. Griselda, thank you so much for discussing such a hugely important topic for us all, um, not just in the workplace, but for wider society today. I could talk to you for hours, but as it's named the 12 Minutes of Workplace Health podcast, we've come to that 12 minute mark. I just want to say a huge thank you for, for your time today. Gosh, that was tight. I hope you got that everything was. you needed. <laughs> <laughs> for more exclusive insights and content around workplace wellbeing, please subscribe to this podcast and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode.